represent that the religion of Islam remains peace. That is why Imam Zain al-Abideen brothers and sisters on daily basis. So we gather in the month of Ramadan. We find that a group of folks are repeating. How is this fair? One of the most important objectives of establishing the majalis and conducting lectures is to be able to educate our community to become the best of ambassadors for the religion of Islam. For this is exactly the map, the road map, that the founder of our madhhab, Imam Ja'far ibn Muhammad al-Sadiq, drew for us. At a time in which he was extremely outnumbered. However, he had a vision and a plan to establish the Ja'fari school of thought. He chose the best of students and he taught them and he educated them and they became the ambassadors of the Ja'fari school of thought, the madhab of Ja'far ibn Muhammad in As-Sadiq. Many of them happened to be young men and also young women. For example, one of his students was As-Sayyida Nafisa, the granddaughter of Imam Al-Hasan, who began attending the sermons of Imam al-Sadiq in the holy city of Medina at the age 9. At the age 12 or 13, at the time of her bulugh, she was a mujtahid. At the early ages of her life, she migrated to Egypt and she became the grand scholar of her time in Egypt. Al-Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal is one of her students. This is how Imam al-Sadiq was able to spread the madhhab in which we take pride today in adhering to and following. A madhhab which was spread and represented by knowledge and ilm and especially for those living in the West. While we live in the West, we find that there are many questions and misconceptions and misunderstandings when it comes to the religion of Islam. And the religion of Islam is attacked on daily basis, mostly by misinformation. Every time you turn on your televisions, you find that there is a new misinformation, a new accusation that's labeled to the religion of Islam. 
It's a barbaric religion. It's a religion that was spread by the sword. It's a religion that's against Christianity and the Christians. It's a religion that's against Judaism and the Jews. Many accusations are put forth towards the Holy Quran. It's a, it's a, it's a book that speaks of intolerance. It's a book that promotes the killing of all non-Muslims. It's a book that promotes the stoning of sinners. Similarly, many accusations and misinformation has been released in regard to the character and the personality of Rasulullah, the last messenger sent by God to humanity. He was a womanizer. He was a barbaric leader. How do we face such accusations? How do we respond to such allegations? Brothers and sisters, it is time that our majalis and our manabir and our Islamic institutions play a more effective role in educating our community so that they become the ambassadors of Islam and stand in defense of the religion of Islam, of Rasulullah and the Holy Quran. And that cannot be done unless we collaborate and work hand in hand together to bring reform within our communities. Specifically the month of Ramadan, the month in which is meant to be a month of, of guidance, huda. A month of religious inspiration, a month where we seek knowledge from the Holy Quran. And unfortunately until today, if you visit some communities or virtually every community, some of the members of this community will end up gathering outside while the Quran is being recited as if they're not here at the house of Allah at the bait of Allah to recite the Quran as if the recitation of Quran is something foreign to being inside the mosque while the Quran is being taught and explained they're standing outside and socializing as if the teachings of the Quran and teaching the Quran is something foreign to an Islamic institution or Islamic madrasa. While there is dua and supplication and seeking nearness to Allah and istighfar, they also remain socializing. Whether it's drinking coffee, whether it's drinking tea, smoking cigarettes, talking about politics, Whatever it may be, it's a form of socializing. Now, I'm not against socializing. You may come because we live in a spread out city. 
And we don't get to see our believing man and our believing woman, our brothers and sisters on daily basis. So we gather in the month of Ramadan and we socialize and we break bread and we see each other and we spend time socializing with one another. However, that is never the primary reason and objective of coming to a masjid. The primary reason and objective of coming to a masjid is to seek knowledge is to read the Qur'an, is to be able to learn those misconceptions and teach ourselves how to respond to them, how to become the best of representatives standing in defense of Allah and the religion of Allah and the Holy Qur'an and Ahlul Bayt, and let us learn from the society that we live in. Let us really learn. I challenge you, go to the most ghetto neighborhoods, most uneducated neighborhoods on a Sunday, and stand in front of a church. Do you see anybody smoking cigarettes and socializing and drinking coffee and tea? No. When the pastor is speaking, when the priest is giving his sermon, everyone's, everyone's inside because that's why they're there. Go to a Jewish temple. While a sermon is given, while a supplication is being done, do you see people standing and speaking about politics? Or drinking tea and coffee? No. They're there for a reason, to learn, to educate themselves. To be inspired by the word of God. Therefore, it's not the job of Jawad Qazwini to sit on the minbar and tell the community, please, brothers, sisters, let us end this phenomenon of having people stand outside smoking cigarettes and drinking tea and coffee. And I don't mean they cannot do that. Of course they can. They're free to do that. But not the entire period of the time of supplication. Not the entire period of the time of the servant. Yes, sometimes we need a drink, you know, to drink coffee, to drink tea, to complete a, a discussion that we're having. So it takes another three minutes, four minutes, five minutes. And then we join the jama'ah. We join the congregation. But how is it possible that day in, day out, from the month of Ramadan, month of Muharram, month of Safar, Fatimiyah, all the Majalis, every Thursday night, we find that a group of folks are repeatedly doing this and nobody goes to correct them. Why? Because we believe the person who is supposed to correct them is also the person leading Salah, is also the person who is sitting on the minbar. No, a community is a community when it works together, it educates together, it helps one another when it comes to correcting our mistakes. And that's why I find many of the parents, many of those in charge of schools and madrasas having struggle with the children. Why? Because you tell the kids, go, come inside. They say, but what about them? My uncle is outside. My dad speaking to my, his friend outside. Why should I come inside? How are we being exemplatory figures? 
How are we teaching our children the importance of the house of Allah, the sanctuary of Allah? And I also challenge those individuals with such a quality and characteristic. Bring them. Tell them, sit in front of a non-Muslim professor and try to defend Islam in any area that you wish and you desire and you think you know the best. Tell this Muslim professor, how is it that in Islam a man can marry four wives, but a woman can only marry one husband? Please explain to him. Tell this non-Muslim, how is it that in chapter 9, Surah Al-Tawbah, Allah speaks of some violence against those outside the religion of Islam. Tell us, how is it that the religion of Islam remains peaceful, but it also speaks of killing? What type of merciful God speaks of killing? Try to explain that with reason and in a rational manner to a non-Muslim, please. Tell us how is it that a man's witness in Islam is double the witness of a woman. As in you need two women witnesses while you only need one man witness. How is this fair? I don't think they would be able to. Because knowledge... It's not that we sleep at night and we wake up in the morning and then we gain knowledge through our sleep. We are so infatuated with sitting and speaking of nonsense. Wallah. And that is why Imam Zainul Abideen, Ali ibn al-Husayn ibn Ali, my master and your master, in dua Abu Hamza Thamali, what does he say? Oh Allah, you've driven me away from your munajat and your salat al-layl and your dua and your supplication for, for a variety of reasons. One of them, وَلَعَلَّكَ وَجَدْتَنِي فِي مَجَالِسِ الْبَطَّالِينَ Because Ya Allah, you've seen me sit in the majalis of Battalin. Vain talk, useless talk. Sitting, you know, together and talking about some irrelevant topic or some irrelevant politics for four hours in the month of Ramadan, while this time shall be spent in reciting the Holy Qur'an, reciting du'as, Abu Hamza Thamali, du'a Jawshan al-Kabir, du'a al-Iftitah, du'a al-Sahar, Allahu Akbar, du'a al-Sahar, the month of Ramadan, before Salat al-Fajr, Allahumma inni as'aluka bi baha'ika kulleh. Dua al-baha'. We leave those things and we sit for hours discussing nonsense. Imam Zainul Abideen says one of the effects of this majlis of nonsense leads that Allah says, you know what, stay there. Don't come near me. You don't have the value to stand in supplication and in dua. And in munajat with the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you've occupied your mind and you're occupied your mouth with what? Nonsense, arguments. One of the most misunderstood areas, one of the most misunderstood elements in regards to Islam 
is what I just spoke of. The witnessing of a man versus the witnessing of a woman. And that is why you find many non-Muslims will ask you, how is Islam a religion that established justice, that establishes equality, that establishes equality amongst the rights of men and women, while a woman's witness is half the witness and the shahada of a man. Not only non-Muslims will tell you this, some Muslims will also tell you, how is it that Islam, some many women, many women around the world, they don't have to be women that live in America or the United Kingdom or the West. They don't have to be educated women. They don't have to be women that are, you know, working as CEOs and, and the heads of companies. No, the majority of women today around the world have this awareness that we must have equality with men. So how is it that my shahada and my witness is half the shahada of a man? In fact, this didn't just... This isn't just asked today. This was asked of Rasulullah in the beginning of Islam. In Medina, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam would offer. Allahumma salli ala He'd offer classes. So after one of his classes, a woman stood. She said, Ya Rasulullah, many of those women are shy to speak to you. Many of them are shy to speak out. So I represent the Muslim woman, the community of Muslim women, Mu'minat. And I have the following question for you, Ya Rasulullah. Isn't Adam the father of all men and women? He said, yes. Isn't Hawa the mother of all men and women? He said, yes. Isn't Allah the creator of all men and women? He said, yes. Isn't Allah the Rabb, the Rahman, the Rahim of all men and women? He said, yes. He said then, she said then, how is it that my shahada is half the shahada of a man? This isn't a question that's being asked today. This isn't a misconception in the minds of believers today. But it happened from the beginning of Islam until today. But the problem is because it has not been taught, because that has not been discussed, it still remains as a misconception in the minds of the people. So the job of the member of Rasulullah, the job of those lectures within the month of Ramadan is to do what? Is to educate us. After 20 years and 30 years and 40 years of attending majalis, if you cannot answer those questions, if you cannot understand them and comprehend them, then I tell you those majalis have failed. And it's time that we rethink and reestablish a different routine for our majalis. So that they can be the center of ilm, center of knowledge. Let us examine this topic through the Holy Quran in the following manner. Number one, what are the four verses that speak of shahada and witnessing within the Holy Quran? Number two, what is the one verse that differentiates the shahada and the witnessing of a man 
from the shahada and the witnessing of a woman. Number three, what are the areas in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of the importance of having witnesses and shahada? And how is it that shahada and being a witness and gathering witnesses is a sign of completion of iman? Then we discuss the first opinion, which speaks of equality now between the witness of a man and woman. And the second opinion, the classical opinion that discusses the two versus one law. Two women equal one man. And can there be, finally, can there be a third scholarly opinion derived from the Holy Quran? After your loud salawat ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad. We begin with the second chapter, the longest chapter within the Holy Quran, the longest verse within the Holy Quran. 2.282. And like I said, because it is the longest uh, ayah within the Quran, we cannot read the whole thing. But we will make it a point to read the very first Words within the ayah, and then we go to where we're about to discuss the shahada of a man and a woman. Allah begins this ayah with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Ya ayyuhalladina amanu. O you believers. Meaning you believers know that this is a sign of iman. This is a part of completing your character as a mu'min. Your character as a mu'min will be complete by following those teachings. What is the teaching? The teaching says, if you have any contracts, if you're about to do any sort of business, if you're about to strike a deal, whether it's rent, whether it's lease, whether it's buying, whether it's selling, whether it's hiring someone, whether it's being employed, whether it's employing someone, make a contract. Simple. Make a contract. Why do you think attorneys in the United States, they make so much money, and attorneys in our Muslim countries are cab drivers as a side job? Why? Because we don't read the Quran. We don't understand the importance of having contracts. We don't understand the importance of the teachings of Islam, but yet in non-Muslim countries, you find the value of contracts. An understanding that we come to an understanding together according to this, a document. What Rasulullah did when they had no clue what contracts meant. People writing a document, this didn't make sense. 1,400 years ago, Rasulullah wrote Sulh Hudaybiyah and put out all its terms. And he wrote it and placed it into the Kaaba. This is our contract. Yes, Rasulullah did have sulh with them, peace, peace treaty with them. But he was the first man to tell them we must write it in a form of a contract. Ya Ali, write this contract. And when he wrote it, he put witnesses and he placed sulh Hudaybiyah inside the Kaaba. And that's what we need to learn, brothers and sisters. 
to adopt the teachings of the Holy Quran, Amir al-Mu'mineen wa Mawla al-Muwahideen, Ali ibn Abi Talib salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi. Says to Imam Hassan and Imam Hussein, and obviously it's one of his advice, it's obviously one of his wasiyah to all of us. Allah, Allah bil Quran. La yasbiqannakum al amalu bihi ghayrakum. Says Allah. Imam Ali, when he says Allah, it's different than me saying Allah. This is the most sacred name, this is the most powerful name. Imam Ali, Imam Ali does not say the, 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 name of, the name of Allah, utter the name of Allah in vain. He says it twice. Allah, Allah. Then he says, Bil Quran. He gets their attention and then he tells them, give this importance to the Quran. Do not allow anyone to proceed you in implementing its teachings and its lessons. You should be the first to implement the Qur'an. You should be the first to bring the teachings of the Qur'an into your life. And look at the Muslims today. They are the farthest away from the Qur'an. The Qur'an speaks of mercy, we have no mercy. The Qur'an speaks of equality, we have no equality. The Qur'an speaks of ilm, we have no ilm. The Qur'an speaks of justice. Do you find any justice in the Muslim countries? Let us come to, to the middle of the verse, which speaks of the witnessing. So when there is a contract, you need witnesses. Now Allah is speaking about choosing the witnesses. And choose two male witnesses. فَإِنْ لَمْ يَكُونَا رَجُلَيْنِ If you don't find two male witnesses then, فَرَجُلٌ One man, وَامْرَأَتَانِ And two women. مِمَّنْ تَرْضَوْنَ مِنَ الشُّهَدَاءِ From those who you accept their witnessing. Meaning what? They need to be trustworthy. They need to be pious. They need to be righteous. They need to understand that once they are a witness to something, they cannot hide their witness. They cannot lie. They cannot change what they have heard or what they've seen for the advantage of their friends and their family members and their neighbors and those who they like or against someone that they dislike. Allahu Akbar. And this is an area that we're oftenly tested with. Rasulullah says, whoever gives a vain witness, a false witness, and is a shahid to something he did not see, he does not have awareness of, then he has reserved his place with the wrath of Allah on the day of judgment. I saw her doing such and such act. You saw her? Well, yeah, she was talking to him. But you're accusing her of something much greater. You saw her speaking to someone. How are, you, how are you accusing her of her chastity? I saw him do such and such thing. You saw him? Well, yeah, I did. And then when you questioned them with three or four questions, they heard it from someone else. Allahu Akbar. We reserve our place with the wrath of Allah. Why? Because I dislike this person. I'm going to be a shahid of zur against him. 
Because I like this person, I'm going to make up something and attach it to him so that it makes him look good against his enemies. Then Allah says, One of them may make a mistake, an error. فَتُذَكِّرَ إِحْدَاهُمَ الْأُخْرَى One of them will remind the other one of her mistake. Tell her, look, what you're witnessing to now, you've made a mistake. We'll come back to this verse. Let us go to the second ayah that speaks of witnessing. Chapter, chapter 5, verse number 6. 106, I apologize. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again, in the second ayah that speaks of shahada and witnessing, begins with, Ya ayyuhal Amen. Again, Allah says, this is part of your characteristic, to be a mu'min. Understand this. What is it, Ya Allah? Tell us. How is it that we can complete our iman while reading the Qur'an? Especially in the month of Ramadan and trying to understand it. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu. Shahadatu baynikum idha hadara ahadakumul maut. Make sure when somebody is about to die, give his farewell. Bring shuhada, bring witnesses. Bring witnesses. Why? Hina al When he's writing his will. Why? Because if I am by my father and he's giving his inheritance, he's giving his will, he's giving his wasiyah, and he says certain things, tomorrow when I bury my father and I tell him, I tell my brothers, my sisters, my mother, my uncles, this is what my father said to me. I said, well, how come nobody else heard it? How come you were the only one? Because I was the only one with him. It creates this unity amongst the family. And that is why until today you find some brothers, while their parents were alive, they were friends. After the father died, after the mother died, over inheritance, they fight each other for 20 years, 30 years going to court. Allah says, make a witness to his wasiyah. When your father, your grandfather, your uncle is giving wasiyah, say, hold on, please. You bring witnesses, they're present there, you write the wasiyah, and then you let them sign the wasiyah. When that happens, no one can turn around and say, this person's lying. This, may, this person is changing the wasiyah, the will of our father, of our mother, of our uncle. Ithnani dhawa adlin minkum. Read the ayah. 106, verse chapter number 5. Two of those who are adil, two of those who are just, two of those who are pious and righteous. Does it speak of gender here? Does it distinguish between the gender here? No. The ayah is very clear. Choose two witnesses who are adil. Let's move to the third area. Chapter 65, Surah Al-Talaq, Divorce. Verse number 2. 
all the way towards the end of the Quran, it's in the 28th juz, Surah Al-Talaq. Allah is speaking about divorce and how we are in need of witnesses when it comes to divorce. The first ayah speaks of divorce, the second ayah speaks of the terms of the divorce. فَإِذَا بَلَغْنَ أَجَلَهُنَّ Once the divorce is done, فَأَمْسِكُوهُنَّ Before it's done, in the, and we spoke of the laws of divorce, some, re, some divorce is revocable, returnable, where a man can return to his, husband, to her, to, to his wife, and a wife can return to the husband, so Allah says, before this time period is done, you may return to them. Or separate from them with dignity, with honor, with respect, according to the norms of society. Don't fight one another. Don't have a war because you're getting a divorce. Then Allah says, on this process that we just discussed, which is called divorce, and bring two witnesses. And know that this witness is not for your friend. This witness is not for your sister because she doesn't like her husband. No. You are a witness for Allah, not your brother, not your sister, not your cousin, not your friend. But again in Allah in Surah Talaq, chapter 65, does not speak of gender. He does not say that it has to be one male and two females. The fifth area is chapter 24, verse, chapter Surah An-Nur, verse number 4 onwards. Surah An-Nur. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of the fahisha, God forbid, adultery. So then Allah says in the Quran, and this is very beautiful, very important. Some verses we don't really need to uh, do the tafsir of them, but we read them and read the translation and they are full of lessons. This is one of them. وَالَّذِينَ يَرْمُونَ الْمُحْصَنَاتِ Chapter 24, verse number 4. وَالَّذِينَ يُرْمُونَ الْمُحْصَنَاتِ And those who accuse the believing woman, the righteous woman, the pure woman, with what? With adultery. ثُمَّ لَمْ يَأْتُوا بِأَرْبَعَةِ شُهَدَاءِ And they do not come forth with four witnesses. Again, doesn't say man, doesn't say woman. It says witnesses. فَأَجْلِدُوهُمْ ثَمَانِينَ جَلْدَةِ Wallahi, this is one of the most beautiful laws in the religion of Islam. Somebody comes and accuses a woman of adultery. If they don't have four witnesses, there are three people, there are two people, it's one person, what happens? They lash them 80 lashes. The witness. They lash the witness 80 lashes. Why? Because we can't have people going around accusing others of adultery and their dignity and their honor and their sanctity every day. And some of us, we don't understand the hukm of Allah. We sometimes accuse other people with ignorance, without knowledge. 
The hukm of Allah is that if you do this, you ought to be lashed 80 times. 80 times. Allah says the sanctity of a mu'min, even if they are sinners. The sanctity of the mu'min is greater than the sanctity of the Kaaba. Can you go and destroy the Kaaba? Can you go and spit on the Kaaba? Can you go and throw your shoes at the Kaaba? Can you disrespect the Kaaba? Of course not. Nobody would do that. Allah says when you're accusing someone and you're backbiting them and you are attacking their dignity and their honor, it's, it's worse than throwing shoes and spitting at them. It's destroying their lives. So Allah here speaks of witnesses and says four witnesses, does not say their gender. And then Allah says, if they were three witnesses or two witnesses or one witness, and they came forth with this accusation, what, what happens? You no longer accept their shahada. Never. Until they die, you say, you cannot be a witness. We will not accept your shahada. وَلَا تَقْبَلُوا لَهُمْ شَهَادَةً أَبَدًا They are the fasiq. They are the sinful. For accusing people without having four witnesses. Why? Because it's possible that one person saw this act. Two people. However, those people may have been sneaking onto them, spying onto them, and Allah is against this. But it's impossible for four people to witness this act. Unless it's been done, you know, in public. So those who want to cover themselves and their sins, and they're doing it in private, Allah says you cannot take their sins to the public. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ تَابُوا Then Allah says, unless they repent. مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ وَأَصْلَحُوا Unless they repent, and they begin to do righteous acts. Let's continue. وَالَّذِينَ يَرْمُونَ أَزْوَاجَهُمْ A man accuses his wife. This is the fifth ayah. The sixth ayah, a woman accuses her husband. They have no witnesses. Allah establishes the same equality amongst them. The man says four times, I swear in the name of God that I am truthful and I curse myself if I am lying. And the woman, if she wants to remove the accusation from her, she vows four times that she is saying the truth and the fourth will be a curse unto her if she is lying. So Allah makes the witness of the man and the witness of the woman in this chapter, Surah An-Nur, exactly the same. So we come to the opinions of the ulama. The first opinion tells you that the witness of the man and the witness of the woman cannot be the same. Why? Because women are more emotional when it comes to, for example, a murder case. You tell this woman who definitely saw the murder take place, once you become a witness, they're going to murder this guy. He has kids. He has a family. He only killed this guy who was working in the streets. Nobody knew him. How can you make his kids your team? 
Did you really see it with your own eyes? So the emotions may start playing a role. Wait. If I just say yes, then this guy is going to be dead. If I say no, I spare him his life. Emotions may start playing a role. Did you see this person do such and such act? Maybe. I don't know. Emotions play a role. And we cannot deny the fact, this is the, the terminology of those scholars. We cannot deny the fact that women are more emotional in such circumstances. So if one of them tends to forget, make an error, no, maybe, the other one tells her no. This is what we saw. And we saw it together. And we are witness to it together. This is the first opinion. The second opinion will tell you that the circumstance has changed. The chapter 2 verse 282 that speaks of woman, two witnesses of woman and one witness of a man was revealed in a time where women never left their homes. They were, you know, in the tent cooking and cleaning. They didn't understand business and trade. So because it speaks of business and contract and trade, you need two women so that if one of them makes an error, the other one reminds her. But in other verses, Allah did not differentiate between gender. Why? Because it's fahisha, adultery, it's talaq, it's social events, that's witness that men and women are a part of society. And they, they can be, they both can be witnesses. And today, when women become CEOs of companies, they're running their own businesses, they're the ones writing contracts as attorneys. Do we still need two witnesses of women to equal one man? They say no. As we spoke yesterday, fiqh evolves as the mawdu and the circumstance evolves. So those scholars are under the opinion that because the mawdu has evolved, now the fatwa and the ruling also evolves. One male witness equals one female witness. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.